QJ, and I'm the host of this podcast. What up, fam? I hope you had a good week, and I hope next week is even better. We're going to do something a little bit different this episode. Um, usually, we release a new episode every week, and then we kind of talk about what's going on within that episode. But uh, it's been on my mind that it, this might be a good opportunity to revisit one of our old episodes. Um, an episode from Season 2, the Bob and Lori episode, where we talked about suicide and depression. So, as some of you might know, we haven't really, uh, she hasn't been on the show yet this season, but uh, one of our um, standing uh, guest hosts, Mrs. K, is a, a psychotherapist, and we also have friends who are psychotherapists as well. So, we sat down and had a good conversation with them about suicide, depression, and feeling down. And, um, you know, just for some side notes, yes, uh, this was recorded uh, almost a a couple of years ago, uh, I've gone through some changes in my job, and uh, you know, you'll see some older references to it. So, you know, don't get caught up in those nuances and just, you know, focus on the meat of the conversation because the conversation is good. And uh, it's part of the reason why I wanted to play it, thinking about some of the recent um, terrorist attacks we've seen in the U.S. Um, and the, the issues with, with gunmen and just people dealing with mental illness. I thought it would be it was, was a good time to revisit this episode, and I just encourage you to just listen to the message of it and, and just see the nuggets that apply to the circumstances, which I think a lot of us deal with who sometimes deal with depression or deal with feeling down. So uh, check it out, and uh, I'll talk to you a little bit later. Welcome to Mixed Modern Family. My name is QJ, and I'm the host of this show. I'm joined today by three wonderful guests. I have Mrs. Kate to my left, and across from me, I'm sitting down with Bob and Lori Mitten. How are you guys today? We're good. Good, thank you. Well, cool. I'm glad you guys could join me today. We were um, going to talk about some um, rather serious topics today, but before we do that, I thought maybe we should start out by letting you guys introduce yourself. So I should start with the lady. All right. I'm Lori Mitten, wife to Bob Mitten. Um, I don't know what to even introduce myself with. Um, I am, um, uh, we've been married for almost 29 years. Um, we have a daughter who is 21 years old, uh, our one and only. Um, I am a psychotherapist out of St. Clair Shores, and uh, we also have a ministry called Permanent Passionate Partnership. I almost forgot the name. Um, and we've been doing that for, I don't know, a few years to help people with their intimacy in their marriage to enrich marriages. Yeah. Um, we've been uh, almost three times and, you know, we've talked about our three kids, so <laughs> <laughs> we've done our job. That's right. <laughs> uh, um, I think that's about it yeah. on the surface anyway. All right. Well, uh, I'm Bob and I'm, uh, I guess... Professionally, I'm an application development manager, which means I design software and then manage teams of programmers that create that software. Um, uh, and I'm also a pastor, um, part-time or- Praise uh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> part-time, I guess, is, I don't know, volunteer, whatever. Uh, I'm, um, I fill in whatever role is needed. Um, but uh, so I preach and I teach and I uh, play guitar and uh, 
cause trouble, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, but yeah, and then Lori and I work together on our uh, permanent passionate partnership marriage stuff. So, uh, and I'm sort of a, I don't know, amateur theologian. Uh, amateur. What we say? What would you well, call it? Yeah, no, amateur. no, I'm amateur. I'm, I'm a very. From what perspective are you amateur? In the, in the sense that I don't have any letters after my name that proves that prove that I'm an actual. You know, I don't have any credentials on the wall. I just uh, I just okay. spend a lot of time reading and studying such things. So. All right. Well, welcome to the Mixed Modern Family, guys. Thanks. Um, and thank you again for sharing your credentials. Bob will be our resident theologian. So <laughs> uh, going forward, when there are theological debates, we will probably defer to him as the uh, oracle of our show. <laughs> That's so. a frightening thought. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mrs. K. Here I am. Hey. So hey. for the purposes of this conversation, could you... Give a little introduction about yourself and what you do uh, outside of, you know, be a co-host and a beautiful wife. Oh, sure. Well, so I am a psychotherapist as well, and I work primarily with um, children and families. So um, I do that um, probably about 50% of the week anyway. 50? Yeah, somewhere in there. Oh, yeah, about 50% of the week. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So that's... <laughs> That's my um, a professional add-in yeah. today. It's kind of like being a pastor. It's like you're a pastor all the time, but you know, you technically you spend X number of hours doing it, but yeah. you're always you know, <laughs> you're yeah, always it's on true. to some degree. That's a really good point. You make. Yeah. yeah, yeah. People people get afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Yeah, that's very true. For me, it was it was interesting because she did her undergrad and her graduate work while we were married because. She waited until after our daughter was in school to, to go back to school. So um, a lot of her studying I was a part of <laughs> to some degree or another. So I kind of got a little bit of a psychological education by osmosis. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. So we still, you know, we, we talk a little bit of shop when it comes to a little bit. psychotherapy. But uh, I, I don't consider myself a professional in any sense of the word. <laughs> oh, I got you. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, compared to us, we talk like zero shop <laughs> anymore yeah i think we used to talk more when more when mrs k you were doing more social work type stuff so yeah i mean sometimes it's just about letting you know like you know what i've been managing in the day you know it's less about you know like it's less about like clients and stuff like that and just more like you know this is happening in the world these types of things are are real and they're happening in the world and and, you know, that's what I did all day. So mm -hmm. lay yeah. off of me. Well, it's an emotionally draining job. Yeah. You know, to deal with people who are in crisis all the time. It, you know, it's, it's just, I mean, I, you know, as a pastor, I've done a little bit of, you know, counseling, um, you know, people in crisis and that sort of thing. And just to do that, you know, eight hours a day, I can't even imagine. I mean, it's just a, it's a very stressful. And I know when Lori comes home, Sometimes I can tell it's just been a rough day and you go, okay, you need a hug. <laughs> you need some downtime. A hug and a glass of wine. A hug and a glass of wine, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're such a good husband. I tell you what, I wish I had that type of radar. One of the things I wanted to talk about while I had um, two psychologists here and I had you guys here, um, I wanted to talk about like um, depression and um the down downers and the, the Debbie Downer type days that we have, mm -hmm. because I feel like it's a conversation that is, I don't know if it's necessarily being had, honestly, where mm -hmm. people are acknowledging or understanding um, 
if they're just like a little depressed or if they're just having a rough patch. So, and um, I say that because I have days where I'm like, God, this is a crappy day. It's a bummer of a day. Like, I just, I just don't know what was going on. So, and you know, I will label that as depression for me because I'm like, I'm, I'm depressed. Like, I don't like what I do. I'm not having fun. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm not enjoying myself. Like, I'm getting yelled at. I got my pressures from my job. I got my pressures at home. Um, and uh, I'm just bummed. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, I don't know. Is I, I guess the first question for me, and I just turned this into my therapy session, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. We but, need to put you on the couch, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I started to try and position the mic so I could lay down. But We can get Lori's fee schedule after this show. I was going to say. But, I mean, I think there's a lot of people like that. I sure. think there's a lot of people right now who, you know, sure. they don't love what they do. They're, you know, dealing with financial struggles up to their eyeballs, which they don't want to share because they're embarrassed. Sure. And, you know, and on top of that, I really feel like there's divisive forces in the world that are, like, drawing people from each other, like mm-hmm. husbands from wives and, like, friends from friends. Like, it's almost visible to me. Like, mm-hmm. I can see it, like, you know, in my own relationship, but in others where people are just like, oh, I can't stand them. I hate them every time they talk. Or it's like, whoa, like, we, you know, how do we get here? So I guess to take it back to my question, like, does that sound like depression or what does that sound like to you guys? I guess I'll start with you, Lori. What does that sound like? Well, there's a difference between clinical depression that's diagnosable. If you were to walk into my office and I was going to open the DSM, the Bible of, of <laughs> diagnoses, you know, I would have to compare uh, your symptoms, if you will, against the criteria that would say, oh, this person is diagnosably depressed. Um, you know, so that would be a conversation in the office. But I think a lot of people might mislabel actual depression um, and call it depression, or they could call it oh, depression when it's simply, mm-hmm. you know, it's sadness. But that doesn't minimize what you're feeling. If you're sad, you're sad. Yeah. Um, but it, oh, now I gotta cry. <laughs> <laughs> but in order to be diagnosed, there, you know, there are certain criteria you need to meet. You need to be, um, you know, the DSM is very, um, it's categorical, not dimensional. So, you know, if you have to have six criteria to meet any one diagnosis, not just that, but other ones, um, that's just an example. Say you had to have six and you have five. Does that mean you're not depressed? Does that mean you don't have anxiety? Does that mean, you know, so in the, the way it's designed right now, it's, it's categorical. You either are or you aren't. But is that realistic? You know, mm-hmm. it's just that there's, there's the diagnosis, there's a code I write down for insurance to reimburse us, you know? So yeah. it, just as, and, and I'll take the other side of that because, you know, I'm someone who, who does suffer from clinical depression. I have, you know, been diagnosed as clinically depressed. I have been through therapy for depression. So, you know, I think um, from a less uh, professional, I guess, viewpoint, I can distinguish between the two, you know, and and I guess I would put it this way is like, um, um, you know, I'm a, 
middle-aged uh, white suburban dude. Uh, and if I was to say to Quinn, well, you know, we all suffer from uh, prejudice. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's not, you know, because it's, because there's, there's, there's prejudice. Yeah. And then there's the prejudice that, you know, an African-American male right. experiences in our society. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's an accurate thing for me to say that. And yet at the same time, it's insensitive for me to say that. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had the same thing where I've had people say, well, you know, you suffer. From, well, we all suffer from depression. Well, yes, we do. But yeah. there's, 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 a, there's a, a big difference between the blues that everybody gets into and actual clinical depression. And we can talk about that difference, but, you know, in the end, like Lori said, what you feel emotionally is real. It's valid. Whether it's, mm -hmm. it's valid, whether, whether it can, it's diagnosably clinical depression or you're just feeling blue because life sucks right now. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's what you feel, and what yeah. you feel is valid, and it's real, and it needs to be addressed. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and I'll get to you in a sec, Miss K. Um, I'm good. Mrs. I'm... K, because you're married. It's <laughs> <laughs> all the people. She put a ring on it. <laughs> <laughs> Can't show it, but it's there. Um, and that's a very good point, is the, uh, the validity of your feelings and what you're going through. And actually, when you did say, you know, you feel sad, and to acknowledge that, I mean, I think for a lot of people, it's very, like, uh, um, very confirming. It's very, it's validating to go back to that word. I was trying to find a synonym for validating, but, I mean, it is because there is sadness there. There is mm -hmm. a, a truth there that needs to be shared. And, and I bring that up in the Mixed Modern Family Forum because I feel like a lot of families struggle through that. Yeah. And it, it gets it can get to a very scary place very quickly. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, and, but before I go there, Mrs. K, what was your input? Well, you know, I just think there's, I don't know if in this country and maybe elsewhere too, but I don't know that we do a very good job, you know, validating each other's feelings or mm -hmm. even our own. No, we, don't. Um, we do a lot of like, get over it, get up and move on. You got things to do. You got, you know, the next day is, you go, we got, we got work to do. We got yeah. um, jobs. Shake it off. Shake it off. Move along. Pull yourself up. You know, put on your big girl panties or whatever. <laughs> That's a great one. But, you know, we do a lot of that. And, you know, you're, there's a lot of, I think you're really <clears throat> judged for thinking too long about any one given feeling that you might have and um so i think that makes it tough i think that i think that makes it puts you in a position where you're managing it yourself and it becomes very lonely and that sure. sort of multiplies the sadness i think it really is a very american phenomenon at least from my perspective you know because we're such an individualistic society we're yes. all about pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps mm -hmm. and just you know making it happen and being entrepreneurial and being this and being that that you know, it's all about it's all about what you can deliver, mm. what you can produce, yeah. what you can achieve. We do a very bad job in this country, I think, of managing emotions, relationships. You know, in my opinion, the stuff that matters more. Yeah. I remember I, I read an article in Time magazine, and this is, gosh, 
years ago now, maybe almost 10 years ago now. I remember Lori and I talking about it at the time, but it was an article about mental health in Argentina. And the fact that in Argentina, it's pretty much assumed that everyone will have a primary care therapist in the same way that in this country, everybody has a primary care physician. Mm. It's like, it's just assumed that everybody is going to go to therapy when when they when they need it as a part of your like health maintenance as a part of their health maintenance it's Mm -hmm. a normal thing and there's no stigma attached to it to go through therapy there's no stigma attached to it to say you know i'm i'm kind of feeling emotionally out of sorts right now i need to talk to somebody about it you know Mm -hmm. there's no stigma we're in this country especially for males and and Mm -hmm. qj you, you know what i'm talking about Oh yeah, talking about your feelings or talking about you know feeling don't down, be a wimp. feeling don't be a wimp, don't be suck that, it up, don't man, be that walk thing it off. That our president likes to grab, you know. Yeah, yeah you know, it's just not yet. It, not <laughs> too yet. soon. <laughs> <laughs> By the time this airs, <laughs> but uh, you know, especially for males in this country, you just you don't talk about mental health, you don't talk about those sorts of things because if you're not, you're not tough, you're not oh, yeah. being a man, you're not. You're weak. You're weak. Yeah. All those things and. Um, and it, it, like, like Mrs. K was saying, it, it just leads to an environment where we internalize it all and we just suck it up. We keep it all inside. We don't deal with it. We don't process it until it becomes a major crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and trust me, it always will at some point yeah. become a major crisis. Yeah. You know, it, I think it is worse for men, but I've had, <clears throat> I mean, the majority of my patients are women mm-hmm. and, because they seek counseling more often, mm. which, you know, follows this Please line of thinking. That, yeah. yeah. Um, but even the women sitting across from me, I've lost count of how many of them begin to cry and say, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. They apologize for their tears. They apologize wow. for having to have a tissue from me. They mm-hmm. apologize. And their very own therapy that they're paying for. <laughs> yes. And I, I, I use. you to be vulnerable, by the way. Yeah. And I use that that opportunity to talk to them about it. And I, I say, why are you apologizing for crying? It's a very human emotion. What is it about that that there is to apologize for? And almost every time the words that come out of their, the word that comes out of their mouth is, I'm weak. Yeah. And, you know, I'll add a cultural element to that, you know, as, as being a black male. Um, so often, uh, it feels like, or we're trained to deal with an uphill battle Mm -hmm. that you have, you develop a a callousness to Mm -hmm. the feelings almost in Mm -hmm. a certain ways because of what you have to shake off on a regular, Mm -hmm. you know, that you just, you know, it becomes hard to, it becomes, it can become an identity crisis to, uh, to reconcile with your feelings almost Mm -hmm. because you're like, whoa, hey. You better you better shake this off, cause you know when you when you don't have that callus built up, that's when you get hurt. Mm. So and that's when you know bad yeah. things, not necessarily can happen, but that's where you feel the most pain. Sure. So yeah. um, culturally, it's it's hard to deal with because it it is kind of tough to you. Like hey, like you gotta fight harder, you gotta be tougher, you gotta be able you gotta be able to shake it off yeah. and keep moving. Yeah. So well, it gets down to that world that word vulnerability. It's like you're built, you're trained to protect all your vulnerabilities, to hide your vulnerabilities, to, to keep from being vulnerable. And yet, from a mental health standpoint, vulnerability is actually what you need. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's, 
you're, you're fighting cross purposes. On the one hand, you're, you're trying to protect and, and hide all your vulnerabilities. <clears throat> On the other hand, you need to expose them, and there's yeah. this constant tension. And you also need vulnerability for, for solid relationships. Mm-hmm. Right, like especially marriages. Yes. You know, vulnerability. You have to be Marriage vulnerable. doesn't work without vulnerability. Yeah. But, okay, so here, I mean, uh, for the family today, the American mm-hmm. family today, did you know the average family makes like 40 grand a year? Yeah. Which, to me, no, I No, I really, hadn't heard that. I, yeah, it's some ridiculous number, which like is like 40 or 50 grand yeah, is the a, average yeah. income of the American family today, which, you know, um, not to say one thing or another, but as a family to survive on 50 grand a year is like a struggle. Yeah. It is yeah. hard. That's the easiest way to say it. And mm-hmm. to think that there's the averages, I would have to hope that there's just some, well, I mean, I don't know. There'd have to just be some extremes, but maybe there's not. But um, when you're dealing with those type of circumstances, like what, what are realistic things, you know, people can do? I mean, you know, because... I think when if you're saying, "Hey, I make fifty grand a year as a family combined, both working forty <coughs> hours a week, or, or you know, and single moms is a new norm," like how do you what what realistically like can you do to I don't know not jump off the ledge or not take that step to the right, you know? Hmm. I mean, ultimately, it's about support. Yes. Relationships was what came to mind. Yeah, so it's along the same lines. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Natural supports is a term that they use in community mental health, okay. where you are, um, you know, as a an organization, uh, you know, there's community mental health organizations that work towards setting people up for success, especially um, in in community mental health. It's about um, families in poverty typically because um, the majority of them work from a Medicaid standpoint. So mm-hmm. one of the um, modalities that they end up seeking is a s- setting up families naturally to be able to be in a position where they end up building relationships that end up being long lasting in order to set them up for success with regard to support and natural supports, meaning relationships with mm-hmm. that can help sustain them and that comes from everything from being able to you know express yourself and be vulnerable with another human being to i'm running late can you pick the kids up from the bus stop you know or um, practical support practical yeah. support yeah, yeah you know um and it's like you know it's that whole like <clears throat> cup of flour thing that used to happen you know neighbors used to be able to kind of walk across the street and bump did you think anybody ever borrowed a cup of flour tell you oh we we yeah borrowed things i don't know if it was flour so you don't have to go to the store right i can't tell you i mean do you have a sheet of foil yeah right yeah Yeah. and we just we don't do that anymore well maybe maybe so maybe so well you don't have to kid if that's the truth like tell us i'm sure we did i just it's just the cultural joke yeah well i mean i'm thinking about you know think about you know i've heard your family talk about the village that used to be oh yeah i mean no doubt it was definitely a village like in the where i grew up in the way there was a community in the way like i grew up in the time where and i'm sure you guys might have done this too where I was at the tail end of, like, you get a whooping from a neighbor and then you go home and get a whooping, too. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And I had firsthand experience of that. Yeah. I remember his name, Mr. Board. Wow. I don't remember what I was doing, but I remember he told me to stop. And I remember he gave me a swat and he gave the other boys a swat. And then we went home and I got another 
spanking and <laughs> you know it wasn't even it wasn't like you know one of those old time jokes it was that was really reality it happened sure <laughs> so, sure but if you were to do that now like oh yeah first of all your parents would be like what <laughs> and you know second of all it's like it's just a, a totally different world you sure know? Mm-hmm. well part of it it gets back to what mrs k was talking about it's it's relationships because you know in a community like that it's not like some stranger gave you a swat and then sent you home. Mm-hmm. It's somebody that your family knew and trust mm-hmm. had a, had a relationship mm-hmm. with where they trusted at least to a degree, degree. So when they heard that, you know, so-and-so gave you a swat, they're like, well, then you probably deserved it. What'd you do? Right. You know, yeah. where today, if a guy six houses down from us, you know, of course our daughter's grown now, but if we had a little one and mm-hmm. our, somebody six houses down gave her a swat, we'd go, who? Excuse me? <laughs> yeah. Because there's no relationship there. So there's no trust, you know, so it it causes all those problems. And that's, you know, you're you're talking about, you know, practical, what do we do when you're you're in that stress situation? You know, it it occurred to me that it's, you know, from a practical standpoint, it's a matter of really doing good time management in the sense that prioritizing relationships, making sure that, outside of those 40 hours or 50 hours or whatever you're putting it in at the work, you're prior outside of that, you're prioritizing relationships and you're building relationships and you're, you're spending time with, um, with the people that build you up, with the people that help you to grow with the people that, that you can lean on and share and be vulnerable with. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise you're building, you're putting stress on top of stress on top of stress. You're never de-stressing. You know, so if you're if you're in an environment where you're constantly dealing with work pressures and financial pressures and and cultural pressures and political pressures, then you've got to prioritize downtime that you're spending not alone, but with a community of people that can sure. provide that support system and provide that yeah. safe place to talk. to to talk to decompress to sure. to vent. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, to just be real. Yeah, yeah and. I can give you two real examples for me. One, um, I have uh, breakfast with my some of my close friends. Mm-hmm. We do it, and um, for us, what feels like a very um, uh, mindful, a very mindful time. We get up, we invest in each other. We get up at seven, at like six, and we meet, have breakfast at seven on mm-hmm. th- Saturdays, every other Saturday. Which is, you know, we're taking away from our opportunity to sleep to pour into each other. So we do, we take that commitment. And my other um, outlet for me personally is this show is uh, just having, you know, just talking. Mm -hmm. Just like not keeping all my thoughts in my head. Just like putting it out here. I mean, I I don't go too far into, you know, any anything that I shouldn't. But at the same time, it gives me an opportunity to share because, and I guess the, the Catharsis, the catharsis, catharsis. Mm-hmm. the catharsis. Thank mm-hmm. you, Lori. Mm-hmm. The catharsis comes from feeling as though I'm providing empathy to someone else who can say, "Yeah, I do feel that way. Mm-hmm. I have been struggling with something like that and more." So those and, shared experiences. Yeah, that, yeah. because I, I guess for me, and maybe this, um, I don't know what it says about where I am, but it just feels it feels like I'm I'm helping. It feels mm-hmm. like I'm doing something good. And I'm empowering people and then I'm, you know, saying, hey, you know, we are here and it's okay and you don't have to hold it back. So, mm-hmm. and you know, really where 
I want why I wanted to talk about the, the the depression part of this conversation and and it's funny you guys talk about being lonely is because more and more I'm seeing people who are sadly and by themselves struggling with suicide yeah. and uh, suicidal thoughts and, and severe depression, maybe clinical to, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, they don't, they haven't been diagnosed or, mm-hmm. you know, they don't, they have the, the shame or they have the fear of being vulnerable. And, you know, next thing you know, we hear about them. Um, I've heard personally about four or five people in the last like few months who have just committed suicide and it's always a surprise it's always like unexpected it's always like you know unseen and um it kind of scares me yeah because these are fathers these are wives these are girlfriends these are children Mm -hmm. these are children Mm -hmm. yeah and i guess i would hate for my child just like every parent to feel like their child felt lonely or you know as a, a kid that you're parent felt lonely so you know i wanted to do this show as like a a response to that to help people to say hey let's not get there right so um i think about when i feel lonely and like when i hit like a low and a low point um the thing that always comes to my mind is like the people that i impact Mm -hmm. and the people who who are a part of me. Mm-hmm. Like I think about my mom, I think about my dad, I think about my wife, I think about my kids, and I think about their feelings and how much it would like destroy them if yeah. I weren't here. So yeah. it actually kind of fears me because it, it makes me want to like lose weight and stay in shape because, you know. I'm that like, was a motivator for me, yeah. Yeah, yeah because like, um, you know, I, I do get down, but like you just don't want to like, you don't want to upset those people. Yeah. Um, those people you care about. So, yeah. but you know, the people when some people fit, you know, commit suicide, they don't, you know, their thoughts aren't there. They just feel like there's nothing more that they can do, and there's nothing more that they can take. Yeah. Well, that's one of the differences. Speaking from personal experience, one of the differences between just being down or, you know, uh, lonely or those sorts, and actual clinical depression, is that. Um, it's irrational. In fact, you have a really hard time being rational uh, about your situation when you're clinically depressed. Um, you know, I've never been technically suicidal um, in the in the technical diagnosable aspect of it, but you know, I've certainly had points in my life where I've consciously given thought to the fact of, gee. Pretty much everybody's life would be better off if I weren't here. Let me ask you a question. You know, I was just thinking something about that. Um, do you think a lot of people think that at some point or another? Yeah, it's is, that, is that a normal thought? Is my question. I don't know. I don't think. Well, no. It's clearly not a normal thought. I mean, I mean not a normal thought, but, but common, like comparable common. to like a common, or maybe comparable to the like you know, no one likes me, or it, I'm I'm fat, or it, it's hard to say because we don't share. You well, know, yeah, because it, people don't talk about it in the open. So if so, if if a lot of people had those sorts of thoughts, they probably don't express them publicly. Sure. And so it's very hard to say what's common, how how pervasive certain kind of thinking, certain kind of thinking is. Mm-hmm. I, I I think at least from from my experience, 
I don't think getting to that point of depression where you're you're really contemplating, the, you know, the, the the pros and cons of being here and not being here. Um, I don't think that is super common, um, um, but I could be wrong. You know, I, I, it could be a whole lot more common than I know. I, I think it is. I, I, just from the people that I've seen, it is very common, A, to believe that the world would be better off without you. Um, For people who are actually suffering from depression. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and B, to weigh those sorts of things. I think the closer someone gets to actually considering taking their life, there, there a lot of that goes on in their minds. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the biggest words that we could throw around uh, when someone gets to that point is hopelessness. That's a key word. Mm-hmm. Um, and even what's called learned helplessness, mm-hmm. and that's where people believe that they have no out. Mm-hmm. They literally There's believe nothing there is, is nothing is they yeah. have learned to be helpless because the things they have tried have failed them. Um, and then they, they're they not going to try it again because they believe they'll just be kicked back down. Yeah. So it's it's quite the quite the trap yeah. that someone gets into. And, and I do want to highlight that. And again, speaking as a layperson here, one of the big differences between the blues and true clinical depression, at least in my experience, is the typical you know, uh, depression that everyday depression that people feel is usually circumstantial. This has happened. That has happened. I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with that. Yeah. Clinical depression is personal. Clinical depression is about this is happening. That's happening. Clinical depression is about I suck. Mm -hmm. I'm this, I'm that it's, it's very personal. It's Mm -hmm. very much, um, pointed inward Mm -hmm. where, you know, the blues as it were the, you know, just feeling the general down is kind of, Point looking out at circumstances and saying these all these terrible things are happening around me and that makes me depressed. Someone who's actually clinical depressed is like, no, the problem is not what's out there. The problem is me, mm-hmm. um, and that's where it gets that's where it gets really dangerous because then everything turns inward. Yeah, I was wondering, isn't that it's kind of like a murky water though at times because you could look at situations and you could say everything sucks. You know, I suck. So oh, absolutely. Like, they can blend. There's yeah. there's something called the cognitive triad where people um, are, they have a negative outlook on themselves, other people, and their future. Yeah. That's a very common um, thread in a lot and of people. And when you get all three depressed. of them together, it's it's like really dangerous. TNT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's TNT. Well, and if you think about it, I struggle sometimes because um, I struggle between um, staying positive mm-hmm. and like keeping it real. Mm-hmm. Which, is, mm-hmm. which is a big thing. Sure. Uh, for me, culturally, is like keep it real, but you know, it's like a fine line you got to walk between, like, yeah, doing both. Well, it's funny you talk about that because this morning I actually preached at our church and and I talked about this. I, you know, I talked. In fact, I, I mentioned my own struggles with depression and I, I talked about because I was talking about finding a true self identity. And, and, and reconciling with that inner conflict that we all feel. I mean, everybody has inner conflict. And, you know, from a theological standpoint, you know, it, it comes from the idea that, you know, God has created us to be perfect, to be, you know, exactly what he intended, but we're not that. Mm-hmm. And we have this constant conflict, this constant tug of war within ourselves of our true selves and the self that 
our culture and our experiences have formed us to be. Uh, you know, talk about, you know, I, I actually mentioned attachment theory this morning. Mm. So <laughs> this is okay, you'll know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about there. But um, um, now I forgot where I was going with that. Anyway, um, but, but that whole idea of, um, you know, finding that reconciliation within ourselves, you know, yeah. to, to deal with that, that conflict between who we are and who we wish we were, who yeah. we want it, who we want to be, yeah. Uh, and everybody deals with that. Absolutely, I'm supposed to be a millionaire by now. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right, right. I don't know where I went wrong, but you know, no, I, it's it's true. Um, what, what you were just talking about and uh, that reconciliation and that, um, you know, uh, coming to t- grips with reality and like finding happiness, like where you are. So. Yeah. Like, um, you know, we obviously, we just took our kids to go see Moana, and, like, the soundtrack is, like, amazing. It is. It but is amazing. the thing about the soundtrack that's so touching is, like, one of the songs is, like, and, you know, look in your heart, and, like, that's where you are. So, like, you know, and you'll find happiness where you are. And the whole point is, like, you, you know, you, you have to find happiness, like, now, like, in the, in the sloppiness, in the messiness, in the, in the grief. And the crappy job, you know, mm-hmm. and the bills, like you got to find happiness. Happiness is where you are. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can get with you on that to a certain extent, but I can also hear like, you know, a lot, a lot of people, whether they, whether depressed or not depressed, just call them BS on that, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and, and I don't that's not to tear it down because I think if you're in the right place, yeah, go with that energy. Sure. I agree there. I think there's, sure. there's a lot of truth to that, but to, the thing about depression and really mental health in general is that so much of it is based on trauma. And yeah. when you have trauma, there's building blocks of your brain that were not put in place. No. Right. And exactly. You're missing connections in your brain that would allow you to go to that space. To that to that space that's like, oh, if I just look, you know, if I just look inside of myself, I can find the happiness. There it is. Oh, there is somebody cultivated for me, you know, like it's not it's missing. That part yeah. of the brain that puts that together is missing or damaged or has been tried on so many times and beaten down to a bloody pulp that then it just leaves you resentful that other people still have it and haven't had it beaten out of them. And what does that leave? What does that mean for you? Well, the other side of it is too, is that there's a place for healthy introspection. There's a place for healthy self-criticism. You know, it's not just a matter of, Oh, just be positive. You know, sometimes there's a place to go, you know what, I'm wrong. I'm, uh, you know, I mean, when you get, when you get somebody who, who's so, you know, power of positive thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just always going to believe, always going to believe, then you get somebody like our, our beloved president-elect who, you know, politics aside, Clearly has no self-esteem problems. You know. Are you sure? <laughs> but, I found a man who tweets but, like he does has a ton of self-esteem issues. Well, that's a that's a that's a deeper. Not that's that he deeper not that he that, would admit to. There's conscious yeah, there there's conscious conscious issues and, and and subconscious issues, 
and those are two different discussions. Okay. Um, but, but you know that the there's a danger in always thinking I've just got to be positive. I just got to go for it. You know, well sometimes there's a, a place to say you know what, maybe that's not something I need to go for. Maybe I should reevaluate and go another direction. You know that that because it's I guess it's part of the entrepreneurial American mindset that you know if you just try hard enough you can do it you can do it yeah well no that's you know I, in fact this morning I used William Hung the the contestant on the American Idol was that first season or <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. I'm sorry but no matter how he hard he worked and how much he believed in himself he wasn't going to be you know uh the contestant. Justin Timberlake yeah you know he he was never going to be that I mean no matter how much I want to be I am never going to be a runway model. It's not going to happen. I don't care how positive my outlook is and how hard I work at it. It's not going to happen. And so, you know, just saying, you know, just be positive about it and just be, just believe in yourself. Well, no, I got to, I got to call BS on that because there's a place for being honest with ourselves and being introspective and being real and saying, this is reality and I have to deal with reality, you know? There's yeah. a place where where that, that self-confidence goes into self-delusion. And that's a dangerous place to be, too. Well, there, uh, to piggyback off what um, Mrs. K said, here, here's the other side of things. You've also, well, not the other side, but an additional thing. You've got the building blocks that were never put in place. You've also got things that are causing depression that no amount of positive thinking will change. It's a yeah. side effect of medication, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, right or brain chemistry. Yeah. Just a chemical imbalance that, you know, someone can look back and truly say, I don't really have any trauma. Attachment's great. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Everything was sure. wonderful. Sure. Yeah. And my circumstances right now are even, are, are wonderful. Right. Sure. Yet here I am. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. 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 So there's multiple reasons. It's such a, psychology is such a new Science, yeah. really. It is. It's uh, really difficult a soft to. One, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You yeah. can't. You, you can't open up a brain and look and, and find I'll, these things I'll out. And also, that's from a personal standpoint. When when I've been in the real depths of hardcore depression, that's the hardest part of it, is because I'll look at my, you know, when I was, when I'd be in one of those places, I'd look at myself and I've got. Listen, I've got a beautiful wife. I got a beautiful home. I got a beautiful daughter. I got a good paying job. I got all these great things going for me. And yet I'm depressed, so gee, I must really be broken yeah, because so what's wrong with me? because there's yeah. no reason for me to be depressed, and yet I'm still depressed. Especially yeah. that beautiful so, wife part. <laughs> but that's it. so it becomes this dangerous spiral of all my circumstances. There's I really have no reason to be depressed. Yeah. yeah. What's wrong with me? Which drives you even further into depression. Well, and you know, I think uh, we talk about American culture. Like, I think about um, my job and my life, and I sometimes um, I, I ask that question too, where I say, like, you know, if if I phrase it in the right way, it sounds like I got an awesome situation going on. Mm-hmm. Why don't I feel like awesome? Why right. don't I feel like? Why does it not feel like you know this is amazing? You know, mm-hmm. so because. You know that I don't. I don't. I think it's just the way we we work. Like you don't. Yeah. You're not supposed to appreciate it. You're not supposed to sit back and, you know, like be able to enjoy. You're supposed to just keep working and keep going. Well, so. American culture, and I'm gonna get off on a soapbox here if I'm not careful. But American culture. This is, is a podcast. They're all soapboxes. Well, they're all a soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> but 
American <laughs> culture is built on the idea of discontentment. You know, because yeah. to grow an economy, you have to constantly keep people buying more things, and so you have to. So the whole advertising industry is yes. built on creating a sense of discontentment. Don't you want you, the next new shiny yeah, version got, of that? You can't be happy with that old iPhone. Yes, you've got to have the new iPhone. <laughs> you know, you can't be happy with that house you're living in. You've got to have a. You know, so. The entire advertising industry is built on the idea of creating a sense of discontentment. What you have is not enough mm -hmm. because yeah. our economy is built on making you buy stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And so it's incredibly difficult for us to fight against that cultural conditioning of you got to have more, you got to get more, you got to do more, you got to, you know, we're constantly driven subconsciously just by our society to constantly you know be discontent mm -hmm. uh and yeah. and in a lot of ways that in and of itself um undermines our happiness yeah well, by extension if you're saying i don't have enough then a lot of people would say i'm not enough because oh, we, they would define themselves by what they have Yes. Mm -hmm. And if they don't sure. have the latest, maybe they're not enough. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny because it's got me thinking about why that, that little week in between Christmas and New Year's mm. is so. In, it is heavenly. It's quite heavenly, and I'm I'm it sure really that's is. not for every person well, for those that of you way. Who actually, get time off of work. Well, and yeah. that's <laughs> that's, that's what it is right there because what happens is, and I can tell you. Well, kind of stops, so. well I, it's almost like we bought ourselves out of as much as we could possibly buy, and we're burnt out because we went slam hard on buying, 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 consuming, 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 working, 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 because we're trying to slam everything into the space before we have these cherished maybe two, three days off where we can actually, no one is contacting anyone, and nobody is going to expect me to respond to them for any particular yeah. reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in that time, too, I, I found myself this year especially, I could not even bring myself to go, like, to 7-Eleven for a Slurpee or something. Like, mm -hmm. I did not want to spend another dime, see another person, yeah. have another obligation. I was so spent. And... Um, and, I, and I wondered, you know, like, if, if that's the one little time and space where we really... Like we, we, we burn ourselves out in a very noticeable way because it's all anticipating, you know, this big morning situation or whatever. And then we're all like, holy crap, mm -hmm. like, take yeah, a I step mean, back. I don't, don't want to sound anti-American or anything, but, you know, we're talking about depression and, and people feeling pressure and loneliness and stress. And I think some of that, so much of that is coming from the society that we've built that says these are the way you measure your life. Yeah. You measure your life by the things that you have, by the vacations you're able to take. Yeah. By the you know, the and you measure yourself by comparing yourself to other people and all, yeah. all these things, we're setting ourselves up for failure. Yeah. We and are. in that sense we're setting ourselves up for depression mm -hmm. because we'll never achieve it. No. We'll never you know we'll, we'll never you know, the, the American dream is unreachable. Yeah, it is. By definition. Because yeah. it's always something more than what you have. Mm -hmm. And so we're setting ourselves up for being depressed, depressed and discontent with, with, with life in general. Mm -hmm. Because what we've defined as happiness is whatever we're not. 
Mm. Wow. Yes. That that is worth like stopping and thinking about because I think that is very true for a lot of people. Mm. We for have sure. defined ourselves as like what we're not instead mm-hmm. of what we are. What we have yet to attain. Yeah, what we have yet to attain. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's yeah. like I just want everybody to take a moment and just think about that, you know, and that the and the insanity in that statement. Mm-hmm. But the truth in that statement, like that is the American dream. Like what we don't have, what the pursuit of happiness is the American dream. Mm-hmm. Like, no, life and liberty is the American dream. The pursuit part is not meant to be full force. It's meant to like just be a part of the freedom. Yeah. So, and I, I see that. And I see that's where a lot of that struggle comes from, from people. Now, there are some people who are, um, I think you guys did a good job of highlighting, you know, the clinical depression, the chemical imbalance. And, mm-hmm. you know, gosh, we could do a whole another segment on mental health and, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, how they are. Should. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree um, on the struggle some people have with mental health because mm-hmm. it, it is reality that, you know, this country and uh, kind of in the world, we've done a, a good job of sweeping mental health under the rug. For and sure. then, you know, some other place gets shot up. Next thing you know, we're talking about guns. Well, we should be talking about mental health. Yeah. But, you know, again, we get diverted. Mm-hmm. The people who like guns get, you know, they get kind of clenched up. And they're like, oh, don't take away our guns. And then we completely forget, hey, why did this happen? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I just, um, I like that. And I think that maybe we should take a step back and just breathe. Just breathe. I don't know, guys. So, to our friends, any of our friends who might listen to this and might be dealing with um, depression or suicidal thoughts, mm-hmm. I, I personally think they're more common than people want to admit. Yeah. I think that's why people Probably are true. just popping up and you like, you're like, oh, yeah. Johnny? Mm-hmm. I mean, we knew, you know, we heard a story of a kid who was, his parents had no idea. They don't, under, they, they, to this, they don't know, like, good kid good upbringing they don't know like they're like they're stuck scratching their head thinking like what did we do wrong mm-hmm. and you know i know other cases where some people were you know they were just couldn't get their life together couldn't get the job the pursuit they could never achieve that image of success that they wanted and it just it, it killed them literally mm-hmm. so shame shame yeah. mm-hmm. so i mean i guess i'll just go around the room i'll start with Mrs. K, you know, what, what, if you're that, if you were talking to that husband, that wife, that 20 something, that 30 something, that person who is having those thoughts, what would, what would you want to say to them in like a minute? You know, I don't know. That's a, it's a tricky question because I say in a minute, because often that's all the time you have to influence somebody. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's tricky for me because there's so so much of their personal story that I would want to have the mm-hmm. opportunity to highlight in some way. And so it's, it's tough to come at that from a generic standpoint sure. for me, but you know, it would have something to do with, you know, sort of giving yourself permission to be enough just in any given moment or any given situation. Um, and it's trickier than just it, it, it. I don't know that there's an. I don't know that there's a nutshell. I think you're right about the minute and having just that much time to influence them. But 
to be able to do that from, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I have That's fine. the words for that. That makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. I guess I would, the only thing I would say, or the, the main thing I would try to say is that you're not alone. It's not just you, you know? Um, so many people, I think, suffer from that, those sorts of things. And I know I've been there. Um, <clears throat> they feel like they're the only ones it's very that, true. that feel that way. They're the only ones that, that no one can understand what they're going through. Um, and I think even in our conversation here, we've proven, you know, no, a lot of people can understand what you're going through because a lot of people are going through it too. We just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I guess the main thing I would say is, listen, you're not alone. You're not different from everybody else. You're not somehow flawed. Um, you just need to be, I guess, to spend more time with some people that love you, you know, mm-hmm. and, and allow them to support you and to build you up. You know, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm tearing up right now because, you know, it, it, I've been there, you know, yeah. and, and the, the loneliness and especially, you know, when you don't have those, Mrs. K, you were talking about those, those, that, um, the natural support, the natural support, that network mm-hmm. of people around you mm-hmm. that, that are your natural safety net, you know, um, you know, and marriage is, is the, the starting point of that natural safety net, but it extends beyond that. Sometimes it should. That would be useful. That would be useful. It should. Yeah. What I mean is, there are going to be people who are listening to this where the 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 marriage option is the least. That's absolutely true. Right. That's, that's what I. That's true. what I mean. It's not yes. even in their that's lives. It's off their radar. Even, even, the, yeah. even their Entirely. marriage is not a healthy. Or they're not married and won't ever be. Sure. 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 No. But but just the the sense that. You know, you're not alone, and don't isolate yourself. Even further. Even further, but, but seek out people yeah. to to share yourself with. And, and I realize how difficult that is because when you're in depression, that's the last thing you want to do. Mm-hmm. When you're suffering over depression, the last thing you want to do is go to somebody and say, listen, I'm really depressed when we talk. Yeah. That's the last yeah. thing you want to do. But at the same time, it's the thing that you need to do. Yeah, and I mean, I almost want to take your question to me and kind of turn it a little bit into this space where instead of what what could the person who's feeling that load do mm. and really make more the question what could the rest of us do to notice a yeah. person who's feeling that low well, because well but i mean that's an entire conversation that's i mean i'm i'm thinking elevator speech like you're listening to this podcast and you need what what it trigger words? Mm-hmm. What things is it that you need to hear to just know that you are, yeah, you're not alone. I think what came to mind when you asked it that question is that, and I maybe I've given this speech quite a bit, but I would probably say something like, "Yeah, your sadness sucks. It's real, and it sucks, and I wish you didn't have to feel that way." I'm about to cry. <laughs> okay but you're worthwhile you have value you have value beyond what you'll ever understand and just trust me you got it now 
now connect those other things that have been said today that provide hope. You know, you're not alone. Try to be with around people that love and support you, even if sometimes you don't, you don't necessarily feel it or you don't want to be, whatever mm-hmm. the case. But I have a speech that I often give my teen patients usually, and I'll say, listen, you know I'm not always right about things right. And they'll say, of course not. And I'll say, but there's something I'm always right about. And I will say what those very things, you're valuable, you're worthwhile, you're loved beyond words, beyond your understanding. And about that, I'm always right. And so I tell them to go and remember that Lori's always right about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Not about everything, mm-hmm. just about that. Funny story on the side, uh, and Lori wouldn't tell this story, but she actually has a patient that made a bracelet that says um, WWLS. <laughs> what would Lori say? Mm-hmm. And the patient looks at that bracelet when she's having a hard day. Then, you know, what would Lori say to me right now? You know, and it's 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 cool. But you know, we need those kind of those kind of reminders of people in our sure. lives that are sure. that are building us up. Yeah, and don't be. Af- I would say, don't be afraid for it to be a stranger. Don't be afraid for it to be someone you don't know. Don't be afraid to reach out to, you know, to make a new friend, which you can't be honest with. Because so often we have these relationships with our friends that are so pretentious and the people that are supposed Mm -hmm. to be so close to you to help you are the first persons to tear you to shreds. Or there's walls there for whatever reason. Yeah, or there's walls there. Or too much history. Yeah, Yeah, too Too much much baggage with them. So, you know, I mean, don't be afraid to be honest to someone who is completely not connected, I would say. Sure. Probably within the walls of a clinical... Uh, well, if you have an, the opportunity, yeah, but we don't always yeah. have that opportunity. Or even, yeah. you know, even outside of a clinical, and of course, you know, the whole healthcare issue and how much, how much it costs to see a therapist, you know, and insurance and all that sort of thing is a totally different discussion. But outside of those clinical walls, I mean, you know, uh, a church is a great place to find somebody to just talk to that, that, that that's trust that's trustworthy. You know, not about politics. Not, well, no, that's a different conversation. But, you know, if you just need somebody to talk to you that's going to show you value, that's going to listen, that's going to show you worth, um, uh, that's going to support you and unconditionally love you. Are you doing an altar you, call on my show? I kind of am, you know, because, you know, that's, that's, that's one of the things that the church oh, yeah. is about, you know, is, mm-hmm. is unconditional. I mean, should be about. At its uh, best. It's, at, 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 at its, its best. best. Yeah. You know, at its best. That's well what said. the church that's is great. about, is, yeah. is unconditionally loving people who are hurting um and i know that you know when i was uh, a full-time pastor or, or at least a, a more involved pastor that was um you know that was something that I, I i cherished the opportunity to have somebody just come to me and say just i need some i need to talk mm-hmm. i just need to somebody yeah. to listen yeah. you know um and i don't you know as a pastor i didn't charge for that uh, <laughs> not to you know, not to not to not to denigrate people who do charge for that. You know, you. Um, you know, <laughs> they're, they're trying to make it an there's, awkward night. You know, <laughs> there's a, there's because there's a difference between just having somebody to listen and having a pro- professional who can who really knows their stuff and can really help you when you're truly are dealing with mental illness. That, those are two different things, and I don't want to presume to say. A pastor can take the place of a professional therapist because that's the last thing I would want anybody to think because uh, we can't uh, and we shouldn't um, but um, but we are sort of I, I think pastors in their best again the best examples of, of pastors um, 
I think, exist in sort of a middle ground between uh, people that are hurting and the professionals who deal with people who are really, uh, truly dealing with mental illness. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow, guys. This has been amazing, I think. I'm, I'm hopeful and I believe that somebody's going to listen to this and we're going to change their life. So, um, Lori, for anyone who wanted to reach out to you, where can they find you, look you up? Wow, I should have had that information right here at my fingertips. LorettaMitten.com. There you go. LorettaMitten.com. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it will give uh, my, uh, the can office. Can you say it one more time for us? LorettaMitten.com. So it would be L-O-R-E-T-T-A-M-I-T-T-O-N.com. Oh, perfect. You just spelled it out. <laughs> I did. And um, it will give my work address, uh, the phone number, um, and even if uh, they contact me through there and can't see me through the office, there will be, might be someone who can see them. It might not be me, but um, help can be found there. My bio is there and that sort of thing. Perfect. So, um, you know, Bob, I don't, I'll leave it up to you how open you want to be if you want people to contact you maybe to pray or I don't know. Absolutely. If yeah, you don't want to be contacted, you don't have to be contacted. No, absolutely. People can contact me. Um, you can find Bob Mitten on social media. Um, you can find me through the Central Church uh, .cc website where I'm a, a pastor there. You can also contact either Lori or myself um, on our website for our marriage um, uh, ministry, ministry uh, which is permanentpassionatepartnership.com, also on Facebook and other social media outlets. So you can contact either of us both uh, at that. Yeah, and, and we... Maybe we could talk about that some other time. Yeah. You know, the partnership and intimacy and all that good stuff. Because it all I plays a part. Mm -hmm. yes. They're going to try and make you have sex more. So <laughs> go on a date. They like to get you uncomfortable. Go, go on a date and have more sex. They like, they like to get you. Please they they focus on that fruitful and multiply. <laughs> well, I don't know if I go there. But <laughs> building intimacy is a key yeah. part. Yeah. Uh, well, Mrs. K, you got anything you want to say before we take off? You know, I guess I just want to um, encourage people to know that maybe m there are more people in the world who will happily listen and support than you probably might think. Yeah. yeah. And um, taking a chance is really hard, but um, sometimes it can really pay off. And yeah. so I guess... Um, and now more than ever, I'm really trying to remind myself that I think there's more good in the world than a lot of even my circumstances, which, you know, I really can't complain. But the that then we then we think about on the regular, you know, there's more good in the world um, than we know on the regular. And so maybe if you have enough of that strength to think about taking a chance on giving that to someone else, chances are that they would be willing to listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. Well said. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us now, guys. I'd like to thank Bob and Lori for joining us today. Thank along you. with Mrs. Thank K. You. As we always say, just know that you are liked, know that you are loved, and know that you're okay. Be good to other people, but more importantly, be good to yourself. Have a good week, guys. So guys, 
guys thanks again for listening i appreciate you if you stuck it out to the whole end or you got to the good parts i I realized that the sound quality was not the best but it was still a a great episode and still a good conversation to listen to so until next time peace (laughs) 